in the 13th chapter of Matthew, Jesus tells us in parable form what to expect as we sow the seed and as we cast out the net of evangelism. And the bottom line is that while some will properly receive the gospel and prove to be true sons of the kingdom, others will prove to be sons of the evil one. We therefore must not get discouraged when things don't go as well as we would like to see them go in kingdom work. People are going to respond in different ways to the message we bring, so we've got to be ready for a variety of responses. And that is what Jesus taught in the 13th chapter of Matthew. In the 14th chapter, he demonstrates that we shouldn't expect Jesus to respond to everyone in the same way either. He isn't going to force his way into anyone's life. While he would like all to come to repentance and accept him as Savior and Lord of their life, not everyone is going to do it. So Jesus handles different kinds of people differently. There are times when he quite simply retreats and walks away from those who have been so hardened by sin that he knows they won't accept him. There are times when he responds with compassion to those who need him, even though they really don't know him. And there are times when he goes all the way and saves, when he rescues those who are committed to obeying him and serving him. Well, in this 14th chapter, we get three narratives that paint pictures of Jesus doing these very things to differing groups of people. And we begin with a look at a time when Jesus retreats. Matthew 14. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the news about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. For when Herod had John arrested, he bound him and put him in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip. For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude, because they regarded him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Thereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. And having been prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist." And although he was grieved, the king commanded it to be given because of his oaths and because of his dinner guests. And he sent and had John beheaded in the prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took away the body and buried it. 
And they went and reported to Jesus. Now, when Jesus heard it, he withdrew from there in a boat to a lonely place by himself. Herod Antipas, son of Herod the Great, was Tetrarch of Galilee and Perea. The description Tetrarch means ruler of a fourth. And that was given to him by the Roman emperor under whose authority he actually ruled. Well, Herod Antipas is the Herod we encounter most often in the New Testament, ruling from 4 B.C. to 39 A.D. His father, Herod the Great, was the Herod who sought to kill baby Jesus. Herod Agrippa, a grandson of Herod the Great, was the Herod who imprisoned Peter and killed James. And Herod Agrippa II was the Herod who tried the Apostle Paul. But the Herod most involved in Jesus' life was Herod Antipas. And here we find him responding to reports about Jesus. Some, according to Mark, were saying that Jesus was a reincarnated Elijah or one of the other prophets. Others were saying he was John the Baptist, come back from the dead. And that became Herod's conviction and his greatest fear, because Herod was the man who had killed John the Baptist. Matthew fills us in on some of the details. Herod, it seems, had fallen in love with his brother's wife, and had convinced her to leave her husband and become his wife. You know, the fact that he already had a wife didn't seem to bother him. But it did bother John the Baptist. And the fiery prophet lived in Herod's territory. And even though Herod wasn't a Jew, he was ruler of the Jews. And John held him to a biblical standard of morality. It was wrong for Herod to divorce his wife steal away his brother's wife, and then marry a woman who was, in fact, his niece. Well, John confronted the king with his sin, and Herod responded by throwing John in prison. Matthew says Herod wanted to kill John, but feared the multitudes. Mark notes that Herod was also afraid of John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man. But he was still perplexed by John and actually enjoyed hearing him and, and, and listening to him. Herodias, on the other hand, simply wanted John dead. And when Herod made a rash vow to give Herodias's teenage daughter Salome anything she wanted after a lascivious dance at a drunken birthday party, Herodias found her opportunity to strike. She prompted Salome to ask for John's head on a platter. And even though it grieved Herod to do so, he ordered it done to save face. Well, apparently some time had passed since John's execution. But now, hearing of the miracles Jesus was performing, Herod thought Jesus was John. Come back from the dead. 
And when Jesus heard this, he wisely withdrew to a less populated region. Now, at first glance, it may appear that Jesus withdrew because he was grief-stricken over the death of John and, and just wanted to get away. But it's possible that Jesus actually knew of John's death before this report reached him. And the words, now when Jesus heard it, refers to Jesus hearing of John's belief that he was John the Baptist, come back from the grave. If that's the case, it would certainly explain Jesus' withdrawal from the area. He knew if he stayed in the area, he would have to deal with a hard-hearted, guilt-laden monarch. And when faced with a heart that is so hardened by sin that there's no hope for repentance, Jesus does retreat. He allows the hard-hearted person to follow the course they've set for themselves through sin and rebellion. And that, I think, is what Jesus is doing here. You know, Herod didn't repent when John confronted him with his sin. And Jesus knew he was not about to do so now. So Jesus withdrew and simply avoided him. Even when Jesus was brought face to face with Herod in the hours before his crucifixion, he had nothing to say to him. Herod longed for a miracle, but Jesus refused to act. There are times when Jesus simply retreats and has nothing to do with a man. Because there are some, like Herod, who refuse to acknowledge who our Lord really is. But then there are also times when Jesus responds. Let's read on. <coughs> and when the multitudes heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when he went ashore, he saw a great multitude and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him, saying, The place is desolate, and the time has already passed. So send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. But they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. And ordering the multitudes to recline on the grass... He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food, and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve full baskets. And there were about five thousand men who ate, aside from women and children. Jesus was trying to get away from people when he left the cities and headed by boat for a lonely place. But the people followed him around the lake. And when his boat came to shore, the multitudes were waiting for him. He didn't just turn around, however, and go away. He stayed 
And he responded to their needs. He felt compassion for them. And he healed their sick. And when they missed dinner, he fed them. Now, the story is one that I think we all know. It's told in all four Gospels. When the disciples suggested that Jesus send the multitudes away so they could buy some food, he told them to give them something to eat. When they responded that all they could find were five loaves and two smoked fish, he said, bring them to me. He then ordered the multitude to be seated, took the loaves and fish, blessed them and broke them. And as they were miraculously multiplied, he told the disciples to distribute them to the crowd. Everyone ate their fill, and there was enough left over for the disciples to each fill their empty lunch baskets. On this occasion, Jesus responded compassionately to those who were seeking after him. He didn't retreat from them like he did from Herod. He stayed. And he met their needs. Why? Well, I think the answer is, is obvious. Their hearts weren't hardened like Herod's and Herodias's. They were open to Jesus' teaching. And they were seeking to be blessed by him. Not mock him or kill him. Now, they did have some misconceptions about him, and their motives weren't the highest. The Apostle John makes it clear that they were looking primarily for the the physical benefits of following Jesus. And they actually wanted to force him to be king so he could protect them and watch over them and provide for them throughout their life. But in spite of their lack of understanding... Jesus responded to their immediate needs, and he treated them with compassion. And I think we can expect him to do the same today for any who are at least willing to follow the crowd into his presence. But he did not enter into a long-term relationship with the multitudes. They were blessed by him, but not saved by him. We go to the next narrative to see a time when Jesus rescues. And immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And after he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already many stadia away from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were frightened, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it's I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became afraid. 
and beginning to cry out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. After the crowd's immediate needs had been met, Jesus told the disciples to take the boat to the other side of the lake where he would meet them. He then sent the multitudes away and went up into the mountains by himself to pray. While he was there, a storm came up on the lake, and the disciples found themselves battling the wind and the waves. In the fourth watch of the night, sometime between 3 and 6 a.m., Jesus came to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they thought they were seeing a ghost, and they cried out in fear. Jesus identified himself, saying, Take courage, it's me. Do not be afraid. Peter, the impetuous one, said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. Peter stepped out of the boat and started walking on the water to Jesus. And you know what happened. He took his eyes off Jesus. He began noticing the wind and the waves, and he started to sink. And when he cried out, Lord, save me, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him. And then together, they walked to the boat, got in, and the wind stopped. The disciples were overcome. They worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. Jesus had rescued them all from the storm. Why? Well, because they were his disciples. He had sent them into the storm. And he wasn't about to forsake them. Even when they couldn't see him, he could see them and was watching over them. Mark says Jesus saw them straining at the oars. He knew what they were going through. And he came to reassure them and to rescue them if they wanted his help. Even when their faith was weak, when they didn't recognize him, and when Peter took his eyes off of him, he was there for them. You see, Jesus rescues. He saves those who are willing to do what he says. Those who become His disciples and follow His commands. Now, we don't have to obey Him perfectly to be saved, but we do have to trust Him and be willing to call out for Him to save us. The chapter concludes with just a brief narrative that almost serves as a postlude. And when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent into all that surrounding district and brought to him all who were sick. And they began to entreat him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched it were cured. 
Jesus was willing to help even those who merely touched the fringe of his cloak. And that was, of course, wonderful. But I want more than that. Being blessed by Jesus is obviously better than being ignored by him. But being saved is better than being blessed. And the response we get from Jesus depends not on him. It depends on us. It depends on us. If we allow sin to harden our hearts, we're going to find him retreating from us. If we come seeking only a material blessing, we may get it as he responds in compassion to our need. But that's all we're going to get. If we want to be saved, not only from the storms of life, but be rescued from the eternal consequences of sin, we're going to have to step out from the multitudes. Take his hand. Declare him to be the Son of God and commit ourselves to being a disciple. In short, we need to surrender to his lordship. I trust that's what you want. I trust your heart is not so hard that Jesus has to turn his back and walk away. I pray that you want more than just a temporary blessing or provision from him. And that you only pray when you have something you want. I trust your desire is to ask him to save you. And then you take hold of his hand when he reaches out and offers to walk you home. I surrender all. I trust you're willing to surrender to his lordship as well. Stand.